Hello and welcome to the first episode of my podcast. Um, In this episode we're going to start speaking about biological molecules. Um, So I'm going to start off by speaking about monomers, monomers, not monomers, getting my words tied, monomers and polymers. So um, polymers can be defined as large complex molecules composed of long chains of monomers that are joined together. And monomers are small basic molecular units that can form a polymer. Some examples of monomers include monosaccharides, amino acids and nucleotides. Most biological polymers are formed by their monomers by a condensation reaction. A condensation reaction will form a chemical bond between the monomers, releasing a molecule of water. So I'm going to start now speaking about monosaccharides. All carbohydrates contain the elements carbon, hydrogen and oxygen. The monomers that um, carbohydrates are made from are monosaccharides such as glucose, fructose and galactose. Glucose is a hexose sugar, a monosaccharide with six carbon atoms in each molecule. There are two types of glucose alpha and beta glucose. They're isomers, which means that they have the same molecular formula as one another, but they are um, structured in different ways as their atoms are connected in a different way. The structures of both of these are quite simple to one another. However, you do need to recognise the different places of the H and the OH groups on each one. On an alpha glucose, on the right, the H group is on top of the OH group. So a way that I would like to remember this is that the alpha is on top, H is on top. Um, This part is the only bit that you really need to know for the difference in the structure. Obviously, you have to be able to recall the entire structure of the glucose, but the only difference is that side that with an alpha glucose, the H is on top, but with a beta glucose, the OH is on top going to speak now about disaccharide formation. A disaccharide is formed when two monosaccharides join together. Um, The monosaccharides are joined together yet again by a condensation reaction, which means that a water molecule will be lost. A glycosidic bond forms between the two monosaccharides as a molecule of water is released, and sucrose is a disaccharide formed from the condensation reaction between a glucose molecule and a fructose molecule. Lactose is also another disaccharide formed from a glyco... (laughs) I'm really muddling up my words. Lactose, I mean, is another disaccharide formed from a glucose molecule and a galactose molecule. Not whatever I just said. Um, I'm now going to speak about the Benedict's test for sugars. This is one of the required practicals that you should be able to speak about on the AQA exam board. So, um, all sugars can be classified as reducing sugars or non-reducing sugars. Um, And the test that you're going to carry out to determine this is known as the Benedict's test. So, reducing sugars um, include all monosaccharides and some disaccharides such as maltose and lactose. Um, So, in order to carry out this test you add benedict's reagent which is naturally blue to a sample and heat it in the water bath that's been brought to a boil 
If the test is positive, it will form a coloured precipitate. Solid particles um, um, suspended in the solution. Um, the colour of the precipitate will change depending on the concentration of the reducing sugar. So the further the colour change goes, um, it will sort of indicate how um, high the concentration is or sort of how many reducing sugars are present. So if the colour forms a brick red precipitate or orange, you know that there's quite a high concentration of reducing sugars. If the colour is a bit yellowy or green, then you can tell that there are traces of reducing sugars. And if the solution remains blue, then there are no reducing sugars present. When testing for non-reducing sugars, it's quite a similar sort of... Well, it is a very, very... I don't know what I'm saying, kind of. It is a very similar reaction that takes place, but there are a few different steps that you need to take. So non-reducing sugars. If the result of the reducing sugars test is negative, then there could still be a non-reducing sugar present. In order to test for non-reducing sugars like sucrose, first you have to break them down into monosaccharides. You do this by getting a new sample of the test solution, adding dilute hydrochloric acid and carefully heating it in a water bath that has been brought to a boil. Um, you then neutralise it by adding sodium hydrogen carbonate and finally you would carry out the Benedict's, des um, Benedict's test as you just have. So if it then changes then you to a brick red precipitate or if it were to go green or yellow then you would know that non-reducing sugars are present or traces of non-reducing sugars are present like I said earlier. And if, yet again, the sample stays blue, then there are no non-reducing sugars present as well as there are no reducing sugars present. Um, I think that's all for my first episode. Thank you for listening. Just want to say this podcast is mainly for me for revision purposes, but if there is anyone listening, then welcome. I sort of muddle up my words quite a bit, but we move. Thank you very much for listening. Hello. Um, this is the second episode on biological molecules. In the last episode, I finished on the Benedict's test for reducing and non-reducing sugars. Um, I'm moving on to another part of biological molecules now, and I'm going to start with polysaccharides. So, um, polysaccharide formation and breakdown. A polysaccharide is formed when more than two monosaccharides are joined together by condensation reactions. Polysaccharides can be broken down into their constituent monosaccharides by hydrolysis reactions. Functions of polysaccharides. Um, so on the AQA specification, there are three um, polysaccharides that you have to be able to explain the information of. Most commonly, you're going to be asked questions such as how does their structure link to their function? So the three that we need to know are starch, glycogen and cellulose. We're going to start with starch. So cells get their energy from glucose. Plants store excess glucose as starch. So when a plant needs more glucose for energy, it breaks down starch to release the glucose. Um, starch is a mixture of two polysaccharides of alpha-glucose, amylase and amylopectin. So amylose is a long unbranched chain of alpha glucose. The angles of the glycosidic bonds give it a coiled structure that's almost like a cylinder. 
This makes it compact, so it's a really good storage molecule because you can fit a lot more into a much smaller space. Amylopectin. Amylopectin is a small... <laughs> That's not it at all. <laughs> Amylopectin is a long branch chain of alpha-glucose. Its side branches allow the enzymes that break down the molecule to get at the glycosidic bonds really easily. This means that the glucose can be released much more quickly. Starch is insoluble in water and doesn't affect water potential, so it doesn't cause water to enter cells by osmosis, which would make them as swell. This means for good storage. Um, quite a common exam question that you may be asked is about how in potato um, potato organisms, why starch is a really good storage molecule and that's because of obviously it's not affected by osmosis which me and water potential which means that the starch is not going to be washed away if the potato gets wet um, which would make for a much better storage molecule than straight glucose as obviously that is hydrophilic which it does it's a solvent dissolves in water so yeah glycogen Animal cells get their energy from glucose too, but animals store excess glucose as glycogen. Another polysaccharide of alpha-glucose, um, its structure is also very similar to amylopectin, except that it has lots more side branches coming off of it. Um, loads of branches mean that stored glucose can be released quickly, which is important for the energy release in animals. It's also a very, very compact molecule, which means for very good storage as well cellulose. Um, cellulose is made of long unbranched chains of beta-glucose. When beta-glucose molecules bond they form straight cellulose chains. Um, the cellulose chains are linked together by hydrogen bonds to form strong fibres called microfibrils. The strong fibres mean that cellulose provides structural support for cells. Um, now again to explain the iodine test for starch. So if you're wanting to test for the presence of starch in a sample, you'll need to do the iodine test. So it's quite simple. All you need to do is add iodine that's been dissolved in potassium iodide solution to your food test sample. If there is starch present, then the sample will change from a brownie orange to a dark blue-black colour. I'm now going to move on to lipids. So what are lipids made from? Lipids are different forms of protein and carbohydrates because they're not polymers formed from long chains of monomers, so they're different, obviously, from the proteins and the carbohydrates. Lipids are made from a variety of components, but they all contain hydrocarbons. Um, hydrocarbons are molecules that are made of only hydrogen and carbon. The components um, they're made from relates to the lipids function. So there are two types of lipids that we need to know on the AQA specification, and these are triglycerides and phospholipids. So triglycerides. Triglycerides have one molecule of glycerol with three fatty acid tails attached to it. Fatty acid molecules have long tails made of hydrocarbons. The tails are hydrophobic, which means that they repel water molecules. Good way to remember it, phobic, phobia, you're scared of water, you don't want to go near it. Um, these tails make lipids insoluble in water. Fatty acids. All fatty acids consist of the same basic structure, but the hydrocarbon tails varies. 
There are two kinds of fatty acids, saturated and unsaturated. The difference is in their hydrocarbon tails. Saturated fatty acids don't have any double bonds between their carbon atoms. Unsaturated fatty acids do have double bonds between carbon atoms, which causes their chain to kink. Triglyceride formation. Triglycerides are formed by condensation reactions. Um, an ester bond forms between the two molecules, releasing a molecule of water. This is obviously a condensation reaction. Um, this process happens twice to form a triglyceride. Phospholipids. The lipids found in a cell membrane aren't triglycerides, they're phospholipids. Phospholipids are quite similar to triglycerides, except for one fatty acid tail molecule is replaced by a phosphate group. This is quite an important um, concept to get your head around, as this is very, very common question on exam papers as well, which may ask you what is the difference between triglycerides and phospholipids. The fatty acid tails are hydrophobic, which means phobic phobia repel water. Um, this is important in the cell membrane. Properties of lipids. So you need to know how the structures of triglycerides and phospholipids are related to their properties. Triglycerides. Triglycerides are mainly used as energy storage molecules. They're good for this because they, um, their long hydrocarbon tails of fatty acids contain lots of chemical energy. A load of energy is released when they're broken down. Because of these tails, lipids contain about twice as much energy per gram as carbohydrates. Also, they're insoluble in water, so they don't affect the water potential um, of the cell and cause water to enter the cells by osmosis, which would make them swell. The triglycerides bundle together in, as insoluble droplets in a cell because the fatty acid tails are hydrophobic, but the tails face... So the tails face inwards, shielding themselves from the water with the glycerol heads. Phospholipids. Phospholipids make up the bilayer of cell membranes. Cell membranes control what enters and what leaves the cell. So phospholipid heads are hydrophilic and their tails are hydrophobic. So they form a double layer with their heads facing out towards the water on either side. The centre of the bilayer is hydrophobic, so water-soluble substances can't easily pass through it. Um, the membrane acts as a barrier to those substances. I'm now going to explain the emulsion test for lipids. If you wanted to test for the presence of lipids in a sample, you'll need to know the emulsion test. So you're going to shake the test substance with ethanol for about a minute, then pour the solution into water. I can't stress this enough but that order of sequence is really really important you have to say that the ethanol is poured into the water not the water into the ethanol you will lose marks if you say that on an exam paper so any lipid um, will show up as a milky white emulsion in the test that will give you your positive result the more lipid that there is the more noticeable that the milky color will be so just to recap that so you shake the substance with ethanol for about a minute and then pour the solution into water. If a milky white emulsion forms, then lipids are present. So that is all for this episode. Thank you very much for listening.